Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Hey everyone, welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy podcast. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Today we're going to be talking about resilience. We're going to talk about what it is, We're going to share three factors that contribute to a person's level of resiliency. And then we're going to talk about six ways to build resilience. The American Psychological Association defines resilience as the process and outcome of successfully adapting to difficult or challenging life experiences, especially through mental, emotional, and behavioral flexibility and adjustment to external and internal demands. So basically, resilience is how you adapt and bounce back from adversity, trauma, difficult experiences. And it really is a key quality that allows us as people to cope with stress, hardships, and when we face challenges, to be able to continue functioning effectively in the face of those challenges. I remember I heard an analogy one time about resiliency, and the way it was described is if you're resilient, you're more like grass. When someone steps on grass, it bounces back and it just kind of goes back to its previous form. But if you're not very resilient, you're more like a flower. If somebody steps on a flower, that flower gets damaged and doesn't bounce back to the original form that it had. So if we're trying to develop a sense of resiliency, we're trying to learn how can we bounce back from these adversities that we experience in our life and not be damaged or crushed by the experience. So let's talk about the three factors that contribute to how well people adapt to adversities. There's a lot of different factors, but we're going to just focus on these three. So the first one is the way in which you as an individual view the world. When you look at life and the world, do you view it in a way where you're at its mercy and you have no power or control over anything? Or do you view it in a way where you do have some control and you have the ability to influence people or make a difference in this world? And I think that view really makes a difference because... If you feel powerless and weak, then there's no real sense in trying to bounce back or to come back and be resilient because you're just going to get knocked down again and that's just going to keep happening. You have no hope to change things really. But on the other hand, if you view it as an experience where I have some influence and my actions and choice make a difference in how life is going to tend to work out for me, you're going to bounce back from that adversity because you see it as I still can do something that can change the predicament I'm currently in. And, you know, we've talked about this in the past, how your mind is such a powerful thing. And so really your mindset and how you view things really makes all the difference. The second factor is the availability and quality of social resources. So the more people that you have that you can turn to for assistance and the more positive social relationships that you engage in have a direct connection with what your outlook on life is and how resilient you are. If there's people around you who support you and help lift you up, then it makes it much easier to bounce back from difficult experiences. Now, I also think the inverse is also true. If you have a bunch of people who are there and they're stomping on your grass constantly, it makes it hard for you to bounce back. The third factor is having specific coping strategies. And this is really important. And I also feel like this contributes to that first factor about how you view the world. Because if you have the tools and the resources it helps you to have a different view of the world and to view things in a light where you do have power, you do have control over at least your actions. You can't control other people's actions, but you can certainly control your own. And so learning specific coping strategies that will help you when you face difficulties. And we hope that on this podcast that you do learn some of those coping strategies 
and you have to find something that works for you. Knowing the three factors that contribute to resiliency is helpful. But now let's talk about six key ways that you can build resiliency. So the first one, this goes along with what we talked about in a previous podcast about the unconscious, about the information you are regularly feeding your unconscious is going to help program your unconscious for what it's going to kind of spit out to you. With the first key factor, it was your outlook on the world. And if you want to adjust or change your outlook from a negative outlook in the world, you have to be constantly working at trying to feed your unconscious positive thought processes, even when it doesn't feel true to you right now. But again, if you're going in and you're trying to reprogram those unconscious kind of automatic thoughts that are firing into your mind, you have to be trying to give that good input into your mind so that it's more likely to come out in difficult circumstances. You can look at basically any situation and you can, by the way you think of it, craft it into either a positive or a negative thing. One of my favorite things to kind of think about is how we can view the sun as either a positive or a negative thing, right? So I am quite fair-skinned, and so for me, I could possibly look at the sun as my enemy because it very easily burns my skin, especially coming out from winter. If I haven't seen the sun in a while, I can be out in the sun for 15 minutes and I can get a burn. I could be irritated. The sun's so hot, it burns my skin, it makes me uncomfortable, I don't like it. But then the inverse view of that is, without the sun, we have no life. Literally, it makes everything that we need to live and survive possible. So it's just one of these things where it's like the same object that we're thinking of, but then we can either choose to view it in a negative way and complain and gripe about it, or there's a way we can take that same thing and view it in a positive way and have a positive outlook on it. The second way to build resiliency is to build a strong social support. And so everything we talk about in these six steps are going to go back to those three key factors. So what Tim just talked about developing a positive outlook goes back to the first factor, your individual view on the world. And the second one relates to the factor about having the availability and quality of social resources. So having a strong support network of supportive friends, family, other loved ones, and it might not even be your blood family. It might be a community or family that you've created around you that you find as your main support system that's healthy and strong. And I think those are the keys, making sure that this strong social support is healthy and that they can provide the emotional and practical support during difficult times. Now, for all of you extroverts out there, you're like, no problem, got it down, easy. I'm sure there was a collective screaming of all the introverts who are listening to this. If you don't have a good social support system, you're like, oh my God, how do I build that? For me as an introvert, there's a couple key factors that make it easier to connect with people. One thing that I always had going for me as an introvert was I was always a part of a lot of organizations. So in high school, I was in marching band, I was a swimmer, I was in cross country, I was in honors programs, and all of these were smaller groups that allowed me to connect easier to other people. But if it was just a large group or I just went to high school and it wasn't a part of any type of organization, it would have been a much more difficult experience for me. So if you're an introvert and you're struggling at making social connections, trying to join some type of organization, something that people are regularly meeting at, and those regular meetings allow you opportunities to connect. Or there's another option where you get adopted by an extrovert. And fortunately for me, right, my wife is very extroverted, Ruth 
uh, helps me out so much with making social connections because she drags me out of the house all the time. And just by the very nature of it, I meet more people I make more connections. So part of it is if you struggle in that area, don't just say, well, I'm introverted. It's just not going to happen. There's steps that you can take where you can work at creating these good, healthy social networks. Number three is managing stress. If you're really stressed out, it is very difficult to have a positive thought process or a healthy outlook on the world. So if you're able to manage or decrease your sense of stress, then it's going to allow you to have more positive and healthy thoughts, which helps you to be more resilient. Also, the side bonus is if you're a positive, healthy person, more people want to be around you. So then that also helps reinforce your social system. So like I was saying earlier, make sure that it's techniques that work for you to help cope and manage with your stress. This could be mindfulness, relaxation, deep breathing. Maybe for some, it's journaling. And maybe for another, it's doing puzzles. For Tim, that would not decrease his stress at all. <laughs> but for me, that would be really relaxing. So finding things that work for you. And it doesn't have to cost money. It doesn't have to take a long time. You could go for a walk. You could text a friend. Just something that you know works for you. And just a side note, one of the things with this I love to do is to make a coping jar. I have my clients write down all the different coping skills that they know they'll use or have worked in the past or things that they want to try, each on little individual papers. And then they fold it up and they put it in this jar. Because a lot of times when we're stressed, it's hard to stop and think like, oh, what was I supposed to do? What did she say to do? And to go through all the coping skills. But if you just pull one out and it says, paint my nails, then do that. And then move on to another coping skill. And so I have my clients do that so that way in the moment they don't get stuck. You can put things in there multiple times. You can put breathing in there multiple times. Number four is being physically active. Regular physical activity has been shown to improve both mental health and physical health. When you're more physically active, it helps your brain release more endorphins, which makes you feel good. On top of that, you're running out some of your energy. So a part of people feeling anxious a lot of times is when they have too much pent-up energy. Just think when you have one too many cups of coffee, you feel jittery, you feel anxious. Or a time when people oftentimes feel very anxious or uncomfortable is when they're trying to lie down and go to bed. And if you haven't worked out enough energy, you'll sit there and you'll have swirling thoughts that prevent you from falling asleep. But if you've had enough physical activity that day, you put your head on the pillow and then bam, you're going to be out. I think also a lot of times when people have that physical activity, they also feel a sense of accomplishment. Oh, I worked out today. Oh, I went for a jog today. Oh, I went for a hike today. And they feel better even if it didn't accomplish anything other than just doing that task of the physical activity. Which kind of goes into number five, which is engaging in meaningful activity. So having a sense of purpose and meaning in life can help to provide a sense of direction and motivation for you, which is important in building that resiliency. And so this is different for every person where they find that purpose and meaning. And this can be in so many different areas. It could be your faith, your family, your work. It can also be hobbies, things that you just love to do and you find so much joy in. Maybe it's a creative outlet for you, but doing things that give you a sense of purpose and meaning. And then number six is seek help when you need it. And a lot of times people want to just shoulder the burden on their own. They think I shouldn't have to get assistance to be able to do better in this area. But realistically, if you're not able to make any positive moves or shifts or changes in these areas to try to help yourself be more resilient, don't be too prideful. Just go out and seek some assistance, get help. There should be no shame in that because everybody needs help at some point in one way or another in their life. 
So just get that help, get that assistance so that you can move on, you can be more resilient, and you can start enjoying life and having a happier perspective. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a question or topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.